Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to Cashflow Guys Podcast. This is Tyler Chef, and I am your co-host. I got Mike here with me, Marino. Boy, you actually lassoed me in this week, Mike. I'm impressed. I did. And believe it or not, Tyler's back home. I am back home. He's I am in, in. He went south for the summer. Who does that? <laughs> I'll have you know that it is cooler in Key West by far than most other places in the country. It is 86 degrees in Key West today. Really? As a oh, high? Yeah, everywhere else is triple digits. Yeah, I know. I, so I was in Dallas three days ago, 108. That's crazy. For Dallas. So you'll appreciate this being a fellow, a, few, a former fellow NOAA employee. Headline news before I got back to Key West was the Florida Keys, the water is almost ready to boil and the reefs are going to die because the water temperature has reached triple digits. So I'm like, what? So I look and I find out that it's a buoy somewhere in Florida Bay up down by Homestead and all that that's in a foot of water. They took the data from that one thing the news did and turned it into this triple digit, the ocean's dying conspiracy, which the ocean has its issues, not taken away from that. But no, guys, for those of you that are wondering, Key West is still here. We haven't boiled off the map and our coral are not now not ready for dinner. What are they going to do? Throw a giant stick of butter in the ocean and say everything, wow. everything's edible. It's already been boiled. Man. It's not how the game is played. That, I don't know. It's sad. That's how media is going right now. They come up with an idea for a story and then they look for evidence to support it. That's right. That's right. Mm. Wow. It's well, called confirmation bias. <laughs> oh, it drives me crazy. So this week, guys, we were, Mike and I watch a lot of the same YouTubers and podcasts and listen to a lot of the same podcasts. We listen to different ones, but we also come together on certain ones. One of those is Joe Brown from Heresy Financial. Big respect for what Joe does out there. Puts out real good content. That makes sense. I, we both study economics, Mike and I, like amateur economist type of thing, because we are custodians of OPM, other people's money. We, it's our responsibility to make sure we know what's going on in the world, in the marketplace, such that we can make decisions on our investment opportunities and whatnot that benefit our, ourselves and our investors. And what, that's one of the reasons we watch Heresy Financial. So this week, or about, I think it was last week, Joe put out a video about why the real estate market hasn't crashed yet. And that's what we're going to talk about this week, because there's a lot of good points he mentioned that I, Mike and I want to expand on. Because a lot of you think, and I've got personal friends of mine, and you know this, Mike, I've told you this, that have told me, Tyler, I'm going to wait for the market to crash and then I'm going to buy something. And I've been saying to them now for a couple of years, it's, I thought the same thing in 2009 and 2010. And guess what? It just kept climbing. And I can tell you, I can't begin to tell you how many deals I've passed up thinking early on after the, the 2008 debacle that we're probably going to see another correction even back then. Yeah. It's said Everyone thinks that whatever's going to happen tomorrow is going to look like 2007. So I, I got the same thing. My best friend is stockpiling cash. Right. I think Good he's point. got like $400,000 of cash sitting in the bank because he's ready. So when the market crashes, he's going to buy himself a house. Oh, I hope the business, the bank stays in business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You heard about that bank collapse in Kansas. I did. Uh, three days ago, too. I did. Yep. You don't hear too much about that. Wow. But yeah. Well, uh, no, they tend to surprise. I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but they only feed us what they want us to know. But a lot of people around the country have been sitting on their thumbs waiting for things to change. And the problem they're finding is that they're getting priced out of the market. I got a friend now that's been looking for a home to move into. For about three years now, 
And the reason why she won't follow through on these transactions is because she thinks that the market will crash and she'll get a better deal. I don't really even know if she believes that, but people in her sphere are giving, everybody's got an opinion. People in her sphere give her this advice, which it's advice. And I'm not going to go on a limb and say it's bad advice because I don't also don't want to be one of those people that says, I told you so. Hmm. But here's what I do know. Nobody really knows what's going on. Can we all agree on that? Maybe there's some higher power or some higher being or some all-knowing real estate God. Maybe it's Grant Cardone. Who knows? But nobody really could be as every time you think something's up, it's down. And every time you think it's down, it's sideways. Trying to guess the market, the real estate market is like a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Especially now with all this information, every day you hear something new came out. Johnny Yellen just approved to borrow $1 trillion yesterday. Who knew that was going to come out? Oh, that's definitely going to affect things. And now everybody's prediction is way off. So yeah, there's so many cooks in the kitchen. It's hard to predict anything. I think you nailed that on the head when you said there's too much information or paraphrasing too many cooks in the kitchen, making decisions and putting out information. Because I know know about you, but I'm confused too, Mike. And I study this stuff. I think making predictions is dangerous, personally. Do you want to expand on that? I was just smirking because before this call, I was telling you about my friend who just lost $300,000 in cryptocurrency. Yep. We had friends of ours that lost their entire retirement, which was well into the seven figures, same situation. I think they got lost. They got sucked in by the Samuel Bankman Freed debacle, FTX or whatever it was. I think the new one is Vulcan or something. It's a smaller one, but still people lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. 30 million, I think was the total, which is a small crypto, but still it is down to zero. And same thing. Those, I'm sure those owners of it, my friend, he was looking at the YouTube videos and whatnot. He said, oh, it's got to go up. It has to go up. This is going to happen tomorrow. And they literally flipped the switch on the crypto machine and the, the owner walked away, apparently. That's amazing. It's easy for you and I to sit here and go, well, you shouldn't have done that or I wouldn't have done that. And I don't know about you, but I've lost plenty of money over the years doing things, thinking that I could get ahead. I've lost money in the stock market, although very little because I've never trusted the stock market. I did it more as a beta test to learn more about it because a lot of folks in real estate ask me questions about the stock market. And frankly, I'm clueless. So I figured I needed to get my elbows dirty. I didn't think my knuckles are going to get bloody, but they did. And I still don't like it, don't trust it. And I think the system is rigged. The In the video, Joe talks about the, the current data trend suggests that we're actually, the markets are going in the opposite direction from where everybody thinks they're going. The common thing I hear is it's all going to explode because things are just ex- expanding too high. They have to crash. It has to crash. It has to. <laughs> right. It has to. It's, if you get struck by lightning, you have to die. Not necessarily. Yeah. A lot of folks survive that. And that's what I think is going on. People have been saying this about places like Salida, Colorado and Key West. I just saw Somebody the other day, yesterday, I was talking with some folks down on uh, Front Street, and the guy was saying, of course, the market's going to crash, and that'll show these rich people in Key West. Housing's going to be as cheap as it was in the 70s. I got news for you, Buttercup. That's not how it's going to work. A two-bedroom apartment in Key West right now is $4,500 a month. Wow. That's a fact. The average selling price of a house in the city of Key West is now over a million dollars. That's unbelievable to me. Wow. And- Part of the house, so I'm I yeah, I have a tough time believing that's going to be million dollar house is going to become five hundred thousand dollars because I have no data to suggest that's real. That's real. Instead, what I think is happening here is 
The 08 crash happened because of defaults. People were given the ability to buy houses they couldn't afford. They call them liar loans. If you could fog a mirror, you could get a $500,000 house, which today, by the way, is now a million dollar house because the $500,000 house has appreciated over the last four years, five years to become a million dollar house. That's legit. 20% appreciation. I'm seeing that across the country. I drove all the way up to Idaho and back, Wyoming, all that. And I looked at, I got real estate magazines and I got into prop stream and I learned about every market pretty much that I spent more than one night in. And what I've learned is that most markets have appreciated at a minimum of 10% year over year, minimum. Other markets were 30, 40, 50% year over year. Tampa went up, I think 40%, or I'm sorry, 30%, but a rental increase of 40%. That's mind blowing. But to think that suddenly the house is going to be worth half is not legit. Even in the worst part of the crash in the most affected areas in the country during the 08 crash, values never dropped below, got anywhere near the 50% mark. Thoughts on that? Yeah. What I like about Joe Brown is he always brings up stats, numbers, right? publicly accessible numbers off government websites. I get my engineering head, my pilot brain just loves to see that. Right. And one of the stats he brought up was 20 years ago, the average house was at $174,000. Right. And today the average house is selling average for $434,000. And what I like even better than that, when he looks at the actual interest rate going out there, that means you have to earn over $125,000 to purchase an average house. But right. the average income is $70,000. So right there, it shows, okay, yep, yeah, everything looks overpriced, so they must crash. It must crash. But it brings up the other good point. Now that we have super high interest rates, and by the way, when he mentions the 174000 that was also at 7%. So the interest rates compared to those two numbers was the same, which is the interesting part. That is interesting. But now he makes a good point that there's very low volume of sales on the market because people are afraid if I sell my house, I'll get my money, but I, I can't afford anything else right? because they're make, not making $125,000, which he makes a good point. Now the supply of housing is so low. And what I love about what he said, what he said is real estate is very simple. It's the most simple asset you could personally buy because it's supply and demand. That's it. And if you look at those fundamentals, nobody's selling, nobody can afford to buy. The ho- housing prices are, they're not going to drop, they're not going to tank like everyone's hoping they're going to. Not anyway, anyway. Matter of fact, he brought the other numbers saying the only way that it would tank is if we have massive unemployment, which we can argue, I think that's what the Fed is trying to get to in order yes. to curb inflation. But that's short-term unemployment. That's true. Uh- that's not long because here's the thing. Americans still need to eat. And even if they bring forth the unemployment like Jerome Powell wants to bring, that may solve one problem, but it's going to create a whole host of other problems because how does the family that loses their, if the breadwinner loses the job, how did that person now become a, a candidate for welfare or other government assistance, which taxes the government further, which I realize the Fed's job, the Fed, by the way, guys, is not the government. Okay. It's the Federal Reserve. That is not part of government. Those are not elected officials, for the record. They are essentially a conglomerate of supposed financial wizards and control freaks that that run things. Does the government influence them? They're not supposed to. 
but I don't, I think that's garbage. I think they absolutely influence the Fed. It doesn't matter who the president is. If you ever read the book and you probably, maybe you haven't, it's called All the President's Bankers by Nomi Prinz. Great book. Really explains and helps bring into perspective how the Fed really controls things and who controls the White House. And let me tell you, it's not the president. I don't care who the president is, but that's a topic for a whole other day. Again, a lot of cooks in the kitchen, so it's hard to determine. That's right. People tend so- to make to mistake the metric when they say home sales have dropped. Yes, home sales have dropped, but then you have to ask yourself, why have home sales dropped? Has demand waned? No. It's just that, Mike, you just bought a house, I don't know, let's call it 450 grand for easy math. At that time, you qualified based on your pilot salary and your fiance's doctor salary or nurse practitioner's salary. You guys easily qualified for a $450,000 house. But what was the interest rate, Mike, when you qualified for that? What was the prime at that time? It was 6%. I thought that was the top. I think we're over 7 now. Guess what? You probably don't qualify for your own house right now or close to it. (laughs) How about that? Ouch. Ouch, Tyra. (laughs) it's not it's true and even though you are well qualified at five six percent when the cost of borrowing money goes up guys this is where you get in trouble and here's the parallel and every real estate investor i talk to most of them seem to miss this value point very important point oh i'm gonna do a subject to deal i'm gonna do a i'm gonna get a hard money loan and buy this property that's cool if it's a short-term scenario but you need to have an exit worked out or you're gonna get swallowed whole there are real estate gurus out there and there are funding companies. When I hear the word funding, I turn red. There are funding companies out there that will loan you all the money you need via credit lines to go buy a house. And I personally have coached or tried to coach people out of those situations, but they, they the lure of money was too great. And they literally got whacked for 18, 20% interest on these credit cards. They hire these companies. They pay these companies thousands of dollars to create a bogus credit file for a company that doesn't exist for them, and they think they're going to go flip a house. Their cost of funds, Mike, is five, four or five times what yours is. So do you think they qualify for that mortgage? Nope. Not even close. No. Because so, half these people quit their jobs. So everyone wants to hear, how do we make money? How do we make money on this situation? So all this is still pointing to an extreme shortage of housing. Right. Hey, so we need rentals. So there's still massive opportunity. Now, some people waiting on the sidelines saying, I'm going to wait until the prices are going down before I buy my 10plex or 20plex or even 4plex. Good luck. Is, is that a good idea? From what we're seeing, from what Joe was talking about and the numbers, and like we're talking about, there's so much involved, that might not be the best option. Maybe now, when you think you're overpaying, might be the best time to buy, especially if it already cash flows, if you can see That's the numbers. Right. And uh, Tyler's in Key West, huge, hot market for rentals. My God. Same thing over here in my small town in Colorado, super hot market for rentals. So maybe, maybe now it's the time to buy. When you buy and you secure long-term fixed rate financing, if it's 7%, let's say, let's keep in mind in the 80s, interest rate got over 20% and deals still got done and people still moved and everything settled out in the wash. If you buy today... And you do your math on your property. You you look, you do, okay, it's going to cost me $2,000 a month to own it. Mike, how much is your mortgage payment right now? 2,600. Okay. 2,600. So if you decided that you guys wanted to move to Texas tomorrow, 
you could do that, provided you could find someone to at least pay the $2,600 plus the cost of insurance and whatnot, cover your expenses. So let's save your expenses. I don't know, or $3,500 with insurance and all the trimmings down in Key West, that would be more like ten grand <laughs> because of the insurance. But in Colorado, your insurance comparatively is free yeah. <laughs> as compared to who we are. But let's just say your outlay on that property is 3500 At 3500 if you're bringing in, let's say, four grand, then that'll work for now until you can refinance at some future period. Will it be tomorrow? Probably not. Will it be four or five years down the road? Probably, but not definitely. But that's okay as long as you're walking in either with positive cash flow or a reasonable value-add strategy to get the rent that you need to cover the bills. But here's the thing, Mike. Can you consistently rent your place for $10,000 a month starting tomorrow? I find a way, yeah. 15000 There's a way, yeah. And How? I know people are, I know people are thinking that, ah, oh, no way in hell. What if you repurpose it? Make it into an assisted living facility. Now, big in, big in my town is hostels. Yes. Make it to a hostels, right? Their bunk beds are very cheap. But they ask me how I know. <laughs> it's our twin beds. Right. You stuff some young hippies in here. And Tyler was, he stayed at Salida for a few days. You saw how many people were trying to stay in town. And they couldn't. They're literally sleeping in the woods. Right. Yeah. In the bushes. Oh, yeah. You've got the story of the girl in the bush. Yeah. <laughs> like the villages, but for a different reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, change of use, change making of use tweaks, thing. right? What else can you do to reasonably change how this thing earns money? Now, granted, there's issues like zoning and things like that you need to work through. And depending on what, depending on what the property is and where it is going to dictate how that plays out. But just because market rent for Mike's house in Salida, Colorado is, let's say, 4000 a month, 5000 a month, doesn't mean that 10 is not possible, but you need to be bulletproof in your plan. You need to do your due diligence. Don't just make up some pie-in-the-sky number. For God's sake, don't believe the realtor or the property manager that gives you these numbers. Back it up. Go find another one like yours. Mike, is there other houses like yours in Salida, Colorado? Of course there oh, is. What are they renting for? Is there another, is there a business model similar to what you plan on doing in your market? And in Mike's market, the answer is a resounding heck yeah. People will pay whatever it takes to spend a weekend in Salida. Not, forget about a year. Years in their mind going to heaven. Oh my God, I get to go snow skiing in the wintertime and down the river on the weekends. And this is amazing. So the draw is very strong. So it's reasonable to say that. If Mike made some tweaks to how he rented the house from a traditional long-term thing, you could easily cash flow that house even at that price point. Not hard. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Repurpose. Another thing that Joe mentioned is, and probably our listeners too, hey, Tyler, that sounds great and all, but I still can't afford a $900,000 duplex. So don't buy one is what I say. Start out smaller. Move to a different market where duplexes that don't cost 900000 because I hear you. I would love nothing more to buy a duplex in Key West and turn it into a vacation rental. But let's be honest. I don't have the million dollars. Well, it's over. A duplex in Key West is closer to $2 million. I don't have $2 million sitting around. And probably I'm not quite sure I would qualify for a $2 million loan on a duplex at this stage of my life. That's a big ask. When I will leverage the expenses with that. See, I'm going to do math, Mike, and that's the difference. When I add the insurance for a duplex in Key West to the equation, it's going to screw up the affordability. Yeah. 
But in Key West, like Salida, vacancy doesn't exist. There's no such thing. And I used to never say that. I'm still going to factor it 5%. But my point is here, guys, with some simple math and a change of use, you can absolutely get more rent out of these places. So the name of this episode is, Did You Miss the Crash? And I think what a lot of you are going to find is that in most cases, you did. In most markets, not all, but in most markets, the bus has already left the station. And guess what? You weren't on it. Yeah. So Mike, to you, does that mean, I think Mike, you missed the bus at Salida. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'd cry. I wouldn't because the bus is still going down the road. See, when I was in Salida, I saw all kinds of opportunity there. And then Mike and I have come up with a strategy that he's going to implement to capitalize on the curve because Salida already bottomed out. Now, it wasn't a, a really obvious bottom because the, the same time we're thinking, man, is there any end in sight? It just keeps climbing, which means we weren't around when it bottomed. Yeah. Good point. But it's always moving though. It's always moving. And it is. I, I think right now is it's a time to. Think outside the box, repurpose, just a living, crash pad like what I'm doing in Vegas, some other resources where you can get more people in. Uh, one of the stats that Joe was talking about on his YouTube was if you look at current trends, I think he did the number of housing required per person has, has gone up. What does that mean? It means less people are living in multifamily. Everybody wants that American dream of the white picket fence and their single family house that's worth $1.5 million. And has 10 bedrooms and why not eight baths? Right. Unfortunately, people's taste in housing has gotten so big that the multifamily option was neglected in the past 20, 10 to 20 years. So when he's talking about that, and then you look at trends right now, the whole big saying in Salida anyway is, oh, I'm a millennial. I'll never own a house. I'm going to be a renter for life. Beautiful. I love it when I hear exactly. that. Exactly. Maybe that's what I should be buying. <laughs> so maybe that trend eventually is going to have to switch because there's just not enough housing for everybody. Multifamily is going to come back in the spotlight. I know almost every new house that's built in this town is a multifamily. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I find that pretty interesting, really. I'd like to dig into that at some point and figure out more of why that is. Maybe if you're talking to some of these owners, I'd like to get from the horse's mouth because I don't want to guess. Why did you decide to put a duplex in versus a single family home? If I had to guess, I would say probably because they either have an extended family or they want to have somehow supplement the cost of construction by renting out one side. That's what they do a lot of times in Key West. People want to buy a big house, but don't necessarily want to have to pay for a big house. So they'll buy something and they'll rent out an apartment while they're busy doing what they do. Like you're an airline pilot, you're flying around the country, you buy a duplex you and Janelle live in one side and you're doing your flight thing and she's taking care of people, doctoring people. Meanwhile, somebody else is paying your mortgage for you. Yeah. Beautiful thing. And another big thing I'm sure you've heard on the news is everyone's complaining about all these built to rent. Would you want to wait to buy a fourplex when all these built to rent places are popping up all around? You got to get it now. That's right. Because this built to rent, what does it mean? It's yes, it provides maybe a lower rent for the tenant, but if you're going to own a house now, it's going to be even harder. That's true. You guys, this is a great time to start going back to the, my old fashioned, my favorite thing in the world is arbitrage. Getting in the path of progress in a good way, though, inserting yourself into these opportunities. For example, in Mike's town, he's surrounded by opportunity. He could lock up the other stride, the houses across the street from him and probably make himself 
about $2 million within the city block that he lives. There's that much money sitting there that he could pull out of those transactions and still leave meat on the bone for other people to come in. Because it's not uncommon for someone to go in and sell Ida and spend $800,000 and then tear down what's on it. On a little lot, like a, I don't know, 50 by 100 lot, they'll come in, they'll knock the house down, and then they'll build a brand new house on that lot they just paid $700,000 for. Well, imagine if Mike got that under contract for $500,000 and then flips the contract to a developer that pays him $700,000. Mike makes it easy to buy by taking payments for the equity. Uh, and holds back some seller financing for his fee. Now you got a home run. Yeah. Um, now you make big money. So that's one of the things I see is a big upside of this is that there's all that opportunity is coming down the pike. So it sounds like this is the time to get really educated on creative ways of doing it. And uh, not only that, start joining forces with people. We always talk about opportunities for syndications or just getting a group of your friends together. If now is the time to buy, you're going to have to collectively pull your money and reduce the risk on each individual person. Because if this is the time, it's still very expensive to buy. That's right. And focus on where you're buying, guys. If you're looking at opportunities, think about what would make somebody want this house or this area? Why would somebody want to live there? For example, driving through Colorado, for example, there were some beautiful cities there that I would never step foot in as far as owning property because... All the ones like between where the reservoir was, Mike, and before you get to Salida, there's these little postage stamp towns where you can almost get free land in Colorado. That's not too far from Mike's house, 45 minutes away. But good Lord, I wouldn't want it. But you get outside of Salida, 10 minutes outside of Salida, the lot is still, it looks the same as the crop crappy lot I drove by 45 minutes ago on the way to Mike's house. But the fact that it's 10 minutes from Salida makes that lot worth $400,000. And you would think they're not going to sell for that, yet they do. I'm going to do what we started talking about in this episode. I'm going to wait for the market to crash, and then I'm going to buy one of those lots. By the time you do that hot shot, those lots are $700,000 because they're just not going down. Because as long as there is the demand, and that's the thing you got to look at, guys, when you're out doing these deals, if you're going to wholesale, don't you can go wholesale crack houses all you want, but you're going to make chump change. You want to make real money? Step outside of your comfort zone. Get in some of these bigger deals. Go find a waterfront house if you're near the ocean. Go find something in Telluride, Colorado, where they have these beautiful ski slopes, or Salida, Colorado, where you have this amazing river that runs through the town. Lock up one of these $500,000 houses, and then put a six-figure assignment fee on there and flip it. The thing what's going on, for example, in cities like Salida that I see, and this is where everybody misses the boat. This is going on right now in the Keys. I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine. He's saying, no one's going to pay my, buy my house for what I want for it because the interest rates have gone up. I'm like, if you hired me to sell your house, I'd get you $150,000 more than what you think you want for it. And I'll get it all day long. And, and why is that? First of all, the, it, it, the ratio of cash sales, the finance sales in the Florida Keys is 70% cash sales, 70% more oh. cash, which means the folks that are shelling out $6 million to buy your house. Don't give a two hooties about 7%. Cash? They, cash. 70% cash sales. And this is for a single family house that they're living in. Yeah. The second home. Second homes. Wow. Yeah. Cash money. Now, are they? Yeah, does that mean they have that money in their bank account? Not necessarily. They may leverage business equity. They may sell another residence. Maybe they take an equity line on their current residence. Doesn't really matter where their money comes from. All I'm saying is they show up with cash 
and they close. And we're seeing appreciation rates 25, 30, 35%, even in the Florida Keys. Guys, if it's a million dollar average selling price, what happens when it goes up 20%? It's called a million two. And then that's one year. And then the next year, it goes up what? Another, how much? Another 20%. That's $240,000, not 200. You just picked up another 40 grand. So imagine if you got one of these properties under contract and flipped the contract to somebody, if you're appreciating that high. This happens all around America. Yeah. Again, I always like to point to what the average listener says. I still don't, I don't have that much money, Tyler. So what about land? A good friend of mine, he's a millionaire now. Yeah. Land. Yeah. He's crushing it. Yeah. Land. So anything you can arbitrage, I don't care if you flip jet skis, the opportunity is there. Really what it comes down to is buying low and selling high. Josiah's properties, he sends out direct mail. He's learned how to send out direct mail in such a way that now he doesn't even say, call me to buy your house. He just sends them an offer blind. The Land Academy, that's who we learned it from. And I've had them, actually, I was on their podcast. They That's what they teach. They send mass offers out. Uh, he uses a very proprietary way of researching and make sure he doesn't get himself in trouble. But he basically makes low wall offers on unwanted slivers of land. And a very large number of people say yes to that. And there's also a large number of people that call him up and wish him dead. He gets more <laughs> abuse probably than Donald Trump. But the amount of revenue he can make on that, profit margins can be off the chain. There are land investors that make very little. And there are land investors that make a killing just doing that because there's always somebody that doesn't want the land. They value the cash more than the land. They need, maybe they've got an emotional issue. They got something going on in the family. They need money now. Mike, if Janelle needed surgery and you lost your job as a pilot, would you consider selling your house at a discount to capture some of that equity to save her life? Uh, Answer is, of course. Absolutely, yeah. Wouldn't think twice about it. And you're a sophisticated guy that knows what he's doing, but you get yourself in a bad spot, which happens to all of us. We're human. It changes your motivation. And when your motivation changes, man, that's when deals can get put together. So parting thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I think this was a good episode. It's a confusing time out there, but don't always... Sometimes it's good to be different. And right now, it seems like the herd is just sitting back with their thumbs up there, you know what, and hoping it's going to crash and then they can put their $50,000 to work. But what if it doesn't? Then you miss the boat. You miss the bus. That's right. Uh, When you could have been using your time now to think of different ways to get ahead. So I guess parting thoughts is listen to more podcasts, YouTubes, yourself educated. There are tons of them. One thing everybody says to me is it's too expensive. That's price too high. Did you make an offer? No. Why? Because the seller is going to say no. Guys, nobody out there has the ability to read minds like that. I've been trying to read my wife's mind now for, I don't know how long we've been together, 17, 18 years. I can't read her mind that I live with her every day. You're not a mind reader. Make an offer. See what's going on. Ask questions. Market to get leads and then talk to people and figure out what their situation is. That's how you're going to get deals going. Guys, this can be a great year. 2023 is not over yet. 2024 can be amazing if you want it to be, but that begins with taking some massive action, making changes, doing something different this year for the rest of this year than you've done so far this year. If you're not happy in the situation you're in, only you can change that. That all begins by going to cashflowguys.com. Whack the button, get on a calendar. Let's have a conversation. How can we help you? If you ever thought about investing passively in real estate and you want to possibly get into one of our deals, You can go to cashflowguys.com forward slash call. Get on the phone with us. We'll 
give you an update of where we're going, what we're doing. We got all kinds of good stuff happening and we're getting ready to open the doors to start raising money on our new assisted living facility, which you can take part in. But that begins at cashflowguys.com. Guys, we're going to leave it right there and we will catch you on the next one. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.